Hello everyone and welcome to the second British Genes Monthly podcast with some of the latest family history developments from Scotland and beyond. My name is Chris Payton and in the next half an hour I'll take a look at some of the most recent genealogy news affecting Scottish, Irish and British research as well as a few features that may be of interest. Before I do however I would first like to thank everyone who's been in touch with some very positive comments about the first edition. I released the the first podcast initially on the SoundCloud platform through my British Genes blog, but after a few requests, I've also now managed to work out how to get the podcasts loaded onto iTunes, so you should hopefully now be able to download each edition as and when they come out, and at no cost. On the content of the first edition, I received various comments, including a plea from several listeners not to add a theme tune, with one listener saying that it was plain and simple with the emphasis on content, not bells and whistles. It was also suggested to perhaps occasionally have a theme-based podcast, and for this edition, perhaps the theme of cooperation or collaboration is one that might be usefully applied. There were also a few funny comments about my accent and my apparent dulcet tones. I have no idea what that means. That sounds a wee bit like sweary words to me. But I should say that this is me speaking with my phone voice. When there's a bottle of God's favourite whiskey Lafroig at hand, you should hear how I really sound. Anyway, before commenting on the genealogy news, let's get the really important bit of news out of the way first. Ireland won the Six Nations! That's my trusty Bowron, which I have absolutely no idea how to play. And not only did they win, but they won twice, both the men's team and the women's team. So congratulations to both. It was one heck of a finale. I was trying to glimpse parts of the final matches on the same day that I was returning from Portugal. But it was an amazing day, and I managed to get home just in time to see England in their final match. And I have to say commiserations to England, who almost got there in an amazing final performance. Now looking to Wales, well you did beat Scotland and you did beat Ireland and I'm close to considering that almost an unfriendly act so please don't do it again. But Scotland, Scotland what went wrong? My wife and my kids and I watched you in Murrayfield a few weeks ago and it all started well and then it kind of went to pot after. Maybe this time next year lads, maybe. Moving on. Since my previous podcast, I've actually been quite busy on several fronts. It's been a fairly hectic month. This included attending a Scottish Genealogy Network visit to both the Glasgow and West of Scotland Family History Society and Glasgow University Archives, both excellent resources and well worth visiting, and a huge thanks to to both for for entertaining us and to, to showing us the ropes of the facilities. Just to explain a wee bit about the, the Scottish Genealogy Network, It's a self-help continual professional development and support group that was set up about three years ago for those working as professional genealogists in Scotland or within industries connected to the field. So we tend to meet up once a month to visit an institution to broaden our knowledge of the, the genealogical and archive world that we live and work within, as well as to put the world of Scottish genealogy to rights over a wee drinky poops after in a suitable hostelry. So if you're a professional genealogist or or work within the industry and you're interested to find out more about the group, please do visit the website at www.scottishgenealogynetwork.co.uk to find out a wee bit more about how we collaborate, including our twice-yearly CPD conference sessions held across the country. 
And if interested, our secretary can certainly provide more information. We have about 40 members just now, and we're continuing to grow, so it's a, it's a very worthwhile endeavour. The most exciting event in the last month, however, has been a return trip to Portugal to take part in the second Lost Cousins-sponsored Genealogy in the Sunshine Conference, based at the Rocha Brava Resort on the Algarve. If you're unaware of the Lost Cousins website, it's a community platform set up several years ago by Peter Calver, which allows you to make contact with distant cousins via shared census connections. Last year, Peter set up his first genealogy conference in the Algarve with various speakers on hand to give talks on a range of subjects, which I was very privileged to be invited to. And it was so successful that a second event duly followed this year. So this year's speakers included the team from last year, which were Elsa Churchill from the Society of Genealogists, John Hansen from the Halstead Trust, DNA guru Debbie Kennett, and Donald Davis from Vancouver, as well as yours truly. But also joining us this year were Donald's cousin, Donna Fraser, also from Vancouver, blogger John Reed from Ontario, who writes the Canada's Anglo-Celtic Connections blog, and Professor Rebecca Probert, who is a specialist in English and Welsh family law. After finishing one of my talks, I managed to interview Peter about genealogy in the sunshine and how it came to be, but also to discuss the role of Lost Cousins as a platform for those wishing to collaborate on their shared histories. Okay, Peter, so we're, we're in Portugal. Tell me a bit about genealogy in the sunshine and how you came to, to set up genealogy in the sunshine and what you were hoping to achieve from it. Well, Chris, as, as you know, there are the cruises you can go on, but they're rather expensive. And then there are conferences and things you can go to in England, but they tend to be in sort of cities and, you know, it's not very exciting. So I thought that there would be an interest in something that was a little bit more expensive than, you know, a conference in Birmingham or somewhere, but a lot cheaper than going on a cruise. So it's, it's something to fill a gap and it's something I just fancy doing because I like Portugal and I know that um, a lot of the resorts are, are pretty empty outside of the peak season and it just seems silly that we'd all be in England shivering when we could be over here in the sunshine. So describe what genealogy in the sunshine is then. It's a week-long event but what, what have you set up within the event? Well, officially it runs from Saturday to Saturday, although the, the first event was, was wine in the sunshine on, uh, on the Sunday afternoon. But I encourage people to come over early and, and if they've got the time to stay on for a bit at the end because you know, I want them to have a holiday as well. And it's not, you know, it's not a holiday when we're listening to all these great speakers. It's great fun, but uh, you know, it's nice to have a break. Um, so we actually started... With a, with a dinner on the Friday night. There was 35 of us in the restaurant across the road. And they probably took more money that night from the one party than they had for the whole of the week. So they were very pleased with us. So that's how we started. And then the latecomers, like you, came on the, the Saturday and the Sunday. We got going with, with, with wine. And I rather under-budgeted on the wine. I think I know who to blame for that. Not, not for the under-budgeting, for the fact that... No comment. It wasn't yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the format for the week, it, it was essentially it was five days of, of a talks programme with speakers yeah. from... Yeah, I mean, the, main, the, 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 the major event was the afternoon talks where top speakers, including yourself, 19 talks across five days. Then in the mornings, that was divided into two. There were 
um, smaller talks for, you know, for example, for people who didn't come last year, um, but who needed to get up to speed on DNA, for example. And this meant that when Debbie Kennett spoke about DNA, she didn't have to go over the basics, which we covered last year. She was able to deal with the more advanced topics, you know, things for people who'd already taken tests or were, had already made a decision that they would take a test. Also in the morning, uh, our speakers very kindly ran workshops, in some cases when the weather wasn't right, in their own apartments, giving advice, but also encouraging people to talk, talk about their problems to, to the others. And, uh, you know, I've certainly heard from several people who have knocked down brick walls while they've been here, and uh, uh, you know as well as I do that the knocking down a brick wall, the, the, you know, the, the last little push can come from any direction. You can't, just can't predict. We had some good brainstorming sessions. In fact, one of the things that was good about the brainstorming sessions, it wasn't just the speakers who were able to offer advice, but actually some of the members had a lot of experience as well. So we were able to really bash some ideas about, you yeah. know, between us all. But of course, all the people who are here, they're here for another reason. It's because they all started uh, as members of Lost Cousins. That's what genealogy in the sunshine was, was set up through, wasn't it? So uh, d- tell me a wee bit more about Lost Cousins, because yeah. it's been going for a while, you know, so tell yeah. me what the premise yeah. of it is. Yeah. Well, when I started, I found it really, really useful to link up with people who shared my relatives, um, my ancestors. If they were researching the same ancestors, it really didn't make sense for us to be working independently, because it was duplication of effort. And of course... I mean, I was just starting then, but once you get back five, six, seven, eight generations, you're talking about hundreds of ancestors. Now, very few people have got the time uh, to f- properly research all of those lines. So having a cousin who will perhaps take charge of a particular, you know, acts as the leader on a particular line is, you know, is great. Uh, it means, you know, between us, we can get that much further than we ever could on our own. So, so the platform basically allows you to input information from the census to form the connections. That's, that's right. How, how it, that's how it works. I mean, which censuses do you cover within well, the site then? Or um, We've got eight censuses, but the main census, the, the one that I recommend people focus on, is the 1881 census. What we do by looking at the 1881 census is like taking a cross-section from somebody's family tree. So you imagine you've got a family tree, not just your, your direct line, but also the collateral lines, the, the brothers, the sisters, the nephews, nieces, and cousins. And you take a snapshot of them in 1881. And if your cousin does that, then the two of you are bound to meet up because you will have entered some of the Did same people. Some, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You only need to enter one to make the connection, but of course you don't know which one. So enter as many as you can. And how many members do you have within the Lost Cousins community now? Uh, well, we're getting very close to 100,000, but, but some of those we've sort of lost touch with over the years. But there are, there are 60,000 who still receive my newsletter, right. which, which is a lot. And um, you know, within those, obviously, some are more active than others. But the reality is you don't have to be active because once you've entered your data, you just sit back and wait for the cousins to roll in. It's the whole cousin bit thing, isn't it? You're, just, you're luring in the other relatives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, one of the analogies I used when we were starting was it's, it's like buying a ticket for the lottery, except you, know, you don't tear it up if you don't win off the first week. Uh, you keep it. Absolutely. Well, it's a great website, but what's the address for the website? 
Just tell, just give us a plug, Peter. Tell me www.lostcousins.com Or just put Lost Cousins into Google. It comes out on top. So as Peter said, that the great strength of the Lost Cousins platform is that ability to connect with other relatives. And obviously the more ancestors that you put into the site, the greater the potential to make those links. Peter also mentioned his weekly newsletter there, which you can subscribe to through the site, and which in addition to bringing genealogy news, also provides many articles and features on a range of topics, which will be of interest, I'm sure. Well, that idea of establishing a collaboration by a shared common link is also one that applies to various other sites, such as the forum-based Curious Fox website at www.curiousfox.com, where you can seek to link up with relatives by searching for details of the same village where your ancestors may have come from, or through other sites such as ancestralatlas.com, where you can do something similar by looking for connections on an annotated Google map. Of course, there's another way to collaborate on your research, and that's to get in touch with a local family history society, where you can make connections with relatives, find out more about your ancestral environment, look for locally compiled and often rare documentary sources, and more. Not to mention attend a series of locally held talks on a range of interesting subjects. A couple of weeks ago, I gave a talk on Scottish land records to the Stirling-based Central Scotland Family History Society, who were again as welcoming as ever. The Society is actually hosting the Scottish Association of Family History Societies Conference in Stirling on Saturday, April the 25th, which is entitled There Was a Soldier, and you can find full details about the programme on Central Scotland's website at www.csfhs.org.uk. But in a month of highs, one of the more tragic developments on the local family history scene was the announcement by Alloway and Southern Ayrshire Family History Society that it is to cease to exist. I've given talks to the group a few times in the past down in Alloway, where Robert Burns was born, and I have to say that it will be a really sad loss to the family history community here, especially to the local scene in Ayrshire. The reasons given for the dissolution of the group lie basically in not being able to find enough volunteers to fill the office-bearer roles that are demanded by the group's constitution, as well as a, a diminishing membership. It's a problem faced by several societies across the British Isles just now, but it can't be emphasised enough just how important the family history movement is to the genealogical world. So if you're not in a society and you've never really looked into one before to see what it might have to offer, please do look up the websites for the family history umbrella bodies that are located across Britain and Ireland, such as the Federation of Family History Societies, the Scottish Association of Family History Societies, the North of Ireland Family History Society, which is actually one society but has various local groups, as well as the various Comunietri or historical associations in the Western Isles of Scotland and more. You'll find links to all of these bodies on the British Genes blog at http colon forward slash forward slash britishgenes.blogspot.co.uk and then look at the page marked Genes Links at the very top. If there's one society that can perhaps be considered to be one of the grandparents of those currently in existence within the British Isles, it's probably the Society of Genealogists based in London, which was founded in 1911. At the Genealogy in the Sunshine Conference event in Portugal, one of my fellow speakers was Elsa Churchill, 
who's employed as the genealogist in the society. Elsa is a well-known figure to many, not just in London, but across Britain and Ireland, as for several years now she's been at the fore of organising the talks programmes each year at Who Do You Think You Are Live, the event which came to Glasgow in August 2014 and which this year takes place in Birmingham for the first time. As one of the biggest family history events in the world, it's not usually the best place to grab a few minutes to chat to Elsa. She's often the blurred streak of light that's rushing to sort a myriad of problems out at the event. In fact, I'm hoping if she keeps running as fast as she does, she might break the time travel barrier and actually pop back to interview some of my ancestors for me. Portugal, however, was a much quieter environment and I was able to speak to Elsa not just about the Society of Genealogists, but also to ask her what we can expect from this year's Who Do You Think You Are live event in Birmingham. So Elsa, what I just wanted to ask you was just to, to give me a bit of, I mean, you're clearly the always described as the genealogist of the Society of Genealogists, so either there's only one genealogist in your society... <laughs> there's only one in my department. Or, or you have a role. So, so what is your role within I, the society? Okay, I'm part of the management team where I'm responsible um, for outreach, communication, uh, teaching, and the content of our uh, genealogical publication. So it's kind of head of profession... Um, we have other administrators who run the library or who run the, who run the society itself, but I'm responsible for the genealogy side. And we are an active organisation with um, many thousands of members who may want to communicate with us and ask questions. But also we're an advocating um, body. We, 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 we talk and uh, campaign on behalf of family historians. And I suppose that's where people know me mostly because I'm very much involved with liaison with the people who've got the records that are important to genealogists and talking to organisations that don't serve genealogists well, and we'd like them to serve them better. Now, for those who don't know what the Society of Genealogists... I mean, it's been going for over a century. Just, just give us a potted history of what the Society is okay. and what its aims are. Um, we're a members' organisation, um, owned exclusively by our members, who employ a small team to run, to run it, um, but founded 100 years ago, or just over 100 years ago in 1911. And we have maintained a fantastic library which has moved to a number of places over its history, but we're now currently faced about five minutes' walk from the Barbican Tube Station in London. Um, I think when people come into the library, they, they're amazed at just how big a resource it, it is there. Um, so we've collected in all sorts of uh, source material, resource material, to enable people to trace their family history. And also we've collected other people's research notes as a body of what research has been done before over the last century. So it, we don't do the research for you, although we have had professional researchers in the research department in the past. Our current ethos is to think it's much more fun to do it yourself and we'll provide you with the skills and resources to do so. So in providing people with the skills means that on top of this wonderful library that we have in London, we're also the largest genealogy education body. We have an extensive family history education programme, which can be talks, lectures, seminars, even distance learning um, courses in partnership with Farrell's Tutors and they're our partner to deliver distance learning courses as well and so we think that if we give you the skills and the resources you will find that tracing your family history is a fantastic experience. So if I'm wee Johnny Smith living somewhere in the country and I'm interested to join the Society of Genealogists is it predominantly just for England and Wales? Does it cover the whole of the UK, British Isles, the world? What, what, what's your sort of geographic remit? We are the National Genealogical Society, so we have um, members from all around the country, 
and the resources in our library are from all around the country. So we have Scottish material in our library, copies of Scottish records, copies of Irish records, guides to where you will do research all around the world. Um, our concentration has been wherever a British voice is heard, you will find something in our library about how to do genealogy and often sources. And so I would say we've probably got the second best Indian collection for in, um, British families in India outside the British Library. We have a fantastic military collection, so I'd say it's probably one of the best military historical libraries outside the National, Lib uh, National Army Museum. Mm. Um, I have German ancestry, so I'll have guides to where I can do research in Germany. Um, we try to bring resource material in. We realise now that not everyone can get into this fantastic library that's based in London, mm -hmm. so our latest initiative is to say, well, how can we digitise that in the library which is ours to publish, because like any library, not everything is our copyright, yeah, sure. but where we have the rights or the item is out of copyright, then we're looking to see how can we make this available so you don't have to travel into London. And there's quite a push on this at the moment. This is kind of the big thing with the SOG at the moment. It's, You've bought scanners and yes, all sorts of yeah, really we're, we're actually, time We've this. actually tried to see how much of this can we do ourselves. So we were clever enough and canny enough to look around and we found that there were some capital grants which enabled us to, to invest in some of the kit and equipment. Though if you're looking at some of the big commercial companies, they'll have 30 machines and we've got three or four. So basically we, we start, we have teams of volunteers who are digitising the collections, but that can only be done once the collection is sorted and conserved and it's, it's robust enough to be digitised. So there's back office kind of work that gets done. Yeah. Then you, you, you capture the information and then you've got to make that information available usually through some kind of database or index to accompany the images. What sort of records are you digitising? What, you know, if, I'm, if I'm interested to know what the SOG has, what can I access? Okay, well, on, our, on our website, the, the, the digital material we've, we've, we've put up so far um, is available to our members. Mm -hmm. But the, what we have made, is, it might be indexes and databases that we already had. So, mm -hmm. you know, for example, Boyd's marriage index is 7 million names of, of, compiled from church records into a database. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that the, the, the digital data is almost like a snapshot of the material we have in the library because there's lots of little projects to see, well, how might we do this? So there'll be digital captured, perhaps PDFs of books that you can download. Um, so parish registers that were printed in the 19th century, they're out of copyright. Can we make those available? Yes, we can. So we've, you'll find on theirs. We have the largest collection of poll books um, showing how your ancestors voted mm -hmm. from the end of the 17th century going through into the middle of the 19th century. We found well, we had the most had the largest collection. Wouldn't it be great if these were digitised? So we have digitised all of that and put those online. And then we thought, once the digital images are up online, our teams can look at them and index them. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to read the book or download the PDF. You can we can index them as well. So that's one set of sort of dedicated projects that's going on. And then I mentioned we have research notes that we have compiled or have, have been donated to us. And that's really the strength of us, so the unique material that you'll find at the Society, are other people's research notes. And so we're looking to see how can we make those available. So we're currently looking at a project to how do I digitise all the names in 7,000 rolls of pedigrees, mm -hmm. pedigrees compiled before everyone was using uh, software packages like uh, Family Tree Maker or mm -hmm. um, a Family Historian. You put your pedigree on the largest piece of paper you could find, and we've got 7,000 of these large pieces of paper. That we've they got keep to popping transfer. up, and who do you think you are? Oh, yes. There's we do. somebody on the screen looking at like, a large <laughs> roll of wallpaper somewhere. Well, precisely. That's, how, that's exactly you know, there's, this, there's this thing about you know, unroll the pedigree yeah. rather than. Because 
showing pictures of people staring at a screen is quite that dull. Absolutely, that's a great building. <laughs> yeah. um, so we do. So some, we're looking at how we can digitise our collections, and that's actually causing us quite a problem because they're varied. Sometimes they've got living people mentioned in them, and there's all sorts of issues mm-hmm. about privacy and things that we've got to get our heads around. If you had a look at the SOG data online through our website, you can do a free search, even if you're not a member, and you will see are the names you interest you're interested in cropping up in some of the databases, and you get a, you can get a kind of feel for the kind of things that are up there. And there is a guide on the search our record sites which explains all the different databases. And the databases from the society tend to be niche, probably a bit specialised. So, you know, for example, there's an index of um, 4,000 Polish emigres who received, a, who received a, a, a pension in the 1830s. Now that's pretty specialised. Some of the big companies aren't really interested in something as specialised as that. But if you are descended from one of these Polish emigres, wouldn't it be a delight to know that we've made those records uh, available? So in terms of then accessing the records, you can get a feel for what's held at the SOG but you need to be a member. So yes. to, to be a member, how do you join up the, the okay. sign up to the SOG? Well, you know, say for example you did your free search and it said you, 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 you know, there would be a pound sign on the sign saying you've got to pay. You could click, you could click the, the, that and that would take you to the Join the Society of Genealogists pages, which you can find by clicking a button anywhere on our website. Mm-hmm. And you can fill in the information and join the Society. How much is the subscription? Is, there yeah. is usually a £10 joining fee. Mm-hmm. That's a one-off subscription to issue you the card and get you onto the database, and an annual subscription of £50 a year. So considerably cheaper than any of the online subscription services for the big databases, which are all free in our library anyway, for example. Um, So it's 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 pretty much £60 for your first year and £50 thereafter. If you're overseas, there is a considerable reduction on that because you're probably not going to come and use the library as much physically. Though, as we're putting more and more information online, then, of course, that would become much more and, important. And benefits of membership? Membership allows you any access to anything that's on the online collections through mm-hmm. the website. Our journal, the Genealogist magazine, a very erudite and, and entertaining journal that comes out four times a year. Um, it gives you free access to the library whenever we're open, and it's open on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays and Saturdays. On the other days, we're having teams of volunteers working in the library with machines going and sure, things like yeah. that. So it's sort of half of using the library to create the databases and half to make them accessible to people in the library. We have a dedicated advice team. There is a dedicated advice service to members only mm-hmm. who can join a particular uh, uh, forum and ask questions, and, that, and that's, can, that's restricted to the members. And that The help that other members give members is phenomenal bringing together years of experience mm-hmm. and collective knowledge. So just taking part in that. So there's, there's a range it. of benefits then that if you sign up... Absolutely, and our courses and our publications as well. Sure, and then obviously the, the big thing that happens every year, who do you think you are live? The Society's very involved with that, so you'll obviously be in Birmingham this year. We're, we're absolutely yeah. um, a key partner with the Who Do You Think You Are live experience. Um, we used to run our own show in Westminster, and then we went into partnership with the London event, which was formerly at Olympia. We took it to Glasgow last year, mm-hmm. and now the experiment is to take it out into Birmingham. And what the Society does is run the the talks program, which you've given excellent erudite talks for us before. Bless you. And we um, <laughs> also have what we call the Ask the Experts, where we have members and volunteers coming to do one-to-one consultations. And Chris is a very keen expert that we collar and make work for us every year. <laughs> yeah, voluntarily, I should have. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't get collared. No, it's, 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 but the, what, what should we expect this time at Birmingham that may be 
different to London or will it be the London experience in Birmingham? It's very similar to the London experience in the sense that you have the large commercial companies, all the big boys and the ancestries and the Find My Past and the genealogists of course were there. The society will be there with its programme of talks and ask the experts. But there's always um, an element of meeting the local experts and so we've absolutely thought we've come to the Midlands, let's celebrate what a fantastic city Birmingham is. So we have got a theme of researching your Midlands ancestors, Birmingham occupations of course, Carl Chin, who is a well-known local historian, broadcaster and academic, he's going to be doing some very entertaining talks on the, uh, the real Peaky Blinders. So if you saw that television series, then he'll be talking about the sources and the history of Birmingham behind that. That's well worth coming to. We have an international flavour, because that well-known blogger and commentator on, G- on genealogy matters, Dick Eastman, Politics is coming yet. to do yeah. the three keynote talks this year. He loved. He took part in a panel for us before and said, yeah, I quite like this idea. So he's coming all the way from America to, to do the keynotes, which will be taking place on each three days. And of course, if you're a fan of the show, mm-hmm. then you have the opportunity to, to see the celebrities and see their experience. So this year we have... Reggie Yates, who I tell me is a, a Radio 1 DJ. The well-known Reggie Yates. Is he? Absolutely. Okay. Thank <laughs> But for the rest of us, um, there's going to be Tamswin Uthwaite, who had a, oh, yeah. who had a oh. lovely programme in the recent series, and Alistair McGowan, who was... An, impressionist, sort of, uh, yeah. yeah, he, yeah. Yes, the Impressionist. He had that yeah. wonderful Indian story. That's right. And he's very entertaining and very engaged and has kept up with his family history interests. Oh, very good. So yeah. he's, uh, that's going to be great to hear their experiences. So basically then, just to wrap up then, if you want to join the Society of Genealogists, the website address is... sog.org.uk there we go. And for who do you think you are live? You can pre-book to go to the talks and, and yes, things that you're if, arranging. If you yeah. if you go to the who do you think you are live website, when you're buying your ticket, you get you can book a free talk um, in advance to guarantee you a place. But if any of the talks are sold out mm-hmm. on the website, we've only made fifty percent available for pre-advance sales on the day. There'll be another fifty percent of the tickets will be available to get on the day. So get there early to get your tickets. If you get there early, and I'm sorry, when is the date for the event again? Sorry, ah, good question. It's is it the sixteenth, to the eighteenth. of April. Sixteenth to the eighteenth of April. thanks very much. I'm sure somewhere there must be a glass of wine sitting with our names on it. So I think we better wrap this up and go and explore. Okay. So thanks to Elsa there for her insight into the society and to the forthcoming Who Do You Think You Are live event. Now, if you do pop along to Who Do You Think You Are Live in Birmingham, I'll be working on the Unlock the Past cruiser stall with company owner Alan Phillips, so please do pop along to have a chat. We'll be on stall 126. Otherwise, do keep an eye on the blog for the latest genealogy developments, and I'll be back again next month with another podcast. And so until then, ciao for now.